Only five more days before the big Labor Day weekend. Buy that extra package of Alka-Seltzer now and take it with you wherever you go. The Quiz Kids, brought to you by the makers of Alka-Seltzer and one-a-day brand vitamins. If all our presidents up to the year 1896 stood in line, from what city to what city would the line extend? That is the first question the Quiz Kids are up against in our classroom today. If you folks listening in want to beat them to the answer to that toughie, you'll have to hurry, because here they are, the Quiz Kids! And where there are quiz kids, you can just bet you'll find that jolly gentleman, our chief quizzer himself, Joe Kelly! Thank you, Tom Moore, and hello, everyone. As always, there's lots of fun in store for us in our classroom today, so let's get right down to roll call. Lonnie? I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 11 years old and in the 7th grade at the Lincoln School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Patrick? I'm Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 10 years old and in 5th grade at the Fort Caborn School. Remy? I'm Remy Templeton. I'm 12 years old and in 8th grade at the Kenwood School in Chicago. You know, I expected to call Ruthie Duskin's name next, but when I announced her last week, I didn't know Ruthie was attending a girls' camp up in the North Woods. So she's asked a good friend of hers to substitute for her. Naomi? I'm Naomi Cooks. I'm nine years old and in the fifth grade at the Grover Cleveland School, Chicago. John? I'm John Pollock. I'm 13 years old and in the eighth grade at the Trumbull School, Chicago. John just got back yesterday from Boy Scout camp and is looking all tanned and healthy. Well, now that we have the camping situation taken care of, let's get back to that first question. It was from Ward V. Ellison of Muncie, Indiana. If all our presidents up to the year 1896 stood side by side in line, what or from what city to what city would the line extend? Uh, let's see. Uh, Lonnie? Well, from Washington to Cleveland. From Washington to Cleveland is right. That's correct. Washington was the first president, and uh, Cleveland served his uh, first term from 1885 to 1889, and after four years of office, came back to the presidency again and served his second term from 1893 to 1897. Well, there was no stopping kids on that one, so that means Ward Ellison of Muncie, Indiana, will receive one of those extra special Zenith portable radios from the makers of Alka-Seltzer. But if you kids had missed the question, he would have received that prize package containing the big $250 Zenith radio phonograph combination instead of the portable. Arden M. Wilson of Ajo, Arizona, points out that Shakespeare had favorite names for characters and used them over and over. What name did he give to all three of these characters? The twin brother of a girl in one play, a traitorous brother of a king in another play, a girl while disguised as a page in a third play. Pat? Sebastian. Sebastian, the... that's correct. What is this next name? A merchant in one play, a sea captain in another play, an ambitious duke in a third play. Pat? Antonio. Antonio. Now, this is the name of a female character who was the daughter of a French king in one play, lady attendant on a princess in another play, the wife of an English king in another play. Pat? Elizabeth? No. Rennie? 
Catherine. Catherine, that is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Well, say, we're just scooting right along here, aren't we? Here's our next question. Stoutly denying that the recent Hughes investigation influenced her one way or the other, Mrs. Floyd B. Gustafson of Rockford, Illinois, proposes a new method of selecting the chairman of Senate investigating committees. Her suggestion is that they be picked according to the meaning of their names. For example, a committee to investigate the major leagues might be headed by uh, Senator whom? Rennie? Ball. Ball. That's the idea. All right. Now, what senator would you name to head a committee to study the telegraph system? What senator? Pat? Morse. Morse. From, senator uh, Wayne Morse of... Of, uh, of uh, Oregon. Oregon. That's right. And... Uh, who uh, would you, uh, what senator would you name to head a committee to study the bottling industry? The bottling industry. What senator? Lonnie? Well, I'm not sure. Is there a glass? I don't uh, think. No, not anymore, Lonnie. Uh, Rennie? I was just going to say that it could be the late Senator Glass, but uh, Lonnie said that. Well, uh, let's see if we can think of someone else. A senator's name. John? Well, it's kind of far-fetched, but there's a drink, and there's a, also, it's put in a bottle, uh, Pepper of Florida. That's right, Senator Claude Pepper of Florida. That's very, very good. <laughs> All right, uh, a committee to study poultry conditions. What senator? By name. A committee to, uh, Naomi? Senator Hatch. Senator Carly Hatch of New Mexico. <laughs> All right, now you quiz kids can catch your breath while Tom Moore uses up a little of his. You know, folks, when our quiz kids' mothers meet other mothers, the subject of the conversation is, as you might expect, children. What books they should read, the best way to discipline them, and so on. Well, every mother has her own ideas on that last subject, to spank or not to spank, but there's one rule they all agree on. Never lose your temper with children. Now, I know it's not easy to keep your patience when a headache is nagging at your disposition, and that's exactly when wise mothers let Alka-Seltzer lend them a helping hand. Because Alka-Seltzer offers amazingly fast relief from headaches. The next time you have a headache, take an Alka-Seltzer. Glance at the clock and see for yourself how quickly Alka-Seltzer can ease up your distress and help you feel like your own cheerful self again. Remember now, mothers, when a headache brings you grief, try Alka-Seltzer for relief. All right, thank you, Tom. Here we go, kids, with more questions. Dr. Willard Brooks of Prairie Grove, Arkansas, has the perfect hot weather question for you. In a closed room that measures 12 by 12 by 10 feet, the temperature is 97 degrees. A 10-inch fan is kept going for eight hours. How much would the fan lower the temperature of the room? Now, there's a dandy. How much would the fan lower the temperature of the room? John? Well, it wouldn't lower it any because it's a closed room. That's right. It would not lower the room temperature at all. <laughs> I bet your little brains were really working on that one. <laughs> of course, you'd feel cooler if the fan were blowing directly on you. Uh, why would that be? John? Well, because you're sweating it. It makes it a cool of your face because the sweat's coming. Well, that's okay. the general idea. The fan increases the evaporation rate of your perspiration and lowers the skin temperature. Yvonne Howard of Bedford, Indiana, has written two original rhymes about beautiful women in the Bible. She wants you 
to recognize these biblical beauties from their descriptions. Here's the first one. Sweet poetess and prophetess, more gifted than another, her greatest claim to fame was she saved her baby brother. Pat? Oh, um, let's see, her baby brother. She saved oh. her baby brother. Oh, I'm afraid. Naomi? Mary and Moses' brother. Uh, what, what'd you say? Moses' brother. You mean his, uh... Oh, Moses' sister. That's right, uh-huh. Miriam saved her brother Moses. Now, here's the next one. See if you can get this. The glories of Hadassah, 10,000 thousand sing. When young and very beautiful, she stood before a king. Rennie. That would be Esther. Queen Esther, that's absolutely right. Uh-huh. Now, the next question comes from our special guest today, the administrative director of the Associated Women of the American Farm Bureau Federation, representing over 1,500,000 farm women. Mrs. Charles W. Sewell. <laughs> well, Mrs. Sewell, I'll, uh, I'll let you take over my role as quiz master for a moment, so you just go ahead and ask your own question. All right, Mr. Kelly. Quiz kids, I know that all five of you live in the city, but let's imagine that you're moving to the farm. What are some of the things that you would like to do on a farm that you can't do in the city? Naomi, what would you like to do? Play in a haystack. Play in a haystack. That's lots of fun. Pat, what would you like well, to I'd do? I'd like to ride a horse. You'd like to ride a horse. There aren't many horses left out there, but maybe we could find you one. Lonnie, what would you like? Well, I agree with Pat, but I'd also, I'd also be glad for the a lot of space that I could run around and play in. Oh, I like that answer. Rennie, what would you like to do? Well, I, although I live in the city now, I used to spend some time on my uncle's farm, the Niagara Fruit Belt. We had a lot of fun. We'd go down to the orchards, and sometimes we'd help. We could pick fruit, and we'd also, as uh, Lonnie said, run around a lot. You could have a, just let yourself loose. <laughs> That's right. There's lots of room for the children. How about it with you, John? What would you enjoy? Well, I hear they eat pretty good on the farm, and boy, I like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's fine, and I'm sure there's a great deal of relationship between what the boys and girls are doing on the farm to help make it possible for you boys and girls in the city to eat, and I know we'd like to have you come down to the farm. Well, that was a dandy question, Mrs. Sewell. Uh, we're all looking forward to the report on radio programs that you're going to give us a little bit later on. In the meantime, uh, kids, here's your next question from Joanne Hembry of uh, Leon, Iowa. And it's about a regular nine-inning baseball game. If the home team scored two runs in each inning and the visiting team made one run in each inning, what was the score when the game ended? John? 17 to 9. I'm sorry. No, Lonnie? Well, what if what was how many innings were played, a full nine-inning game? Well, uh, it's about a regular nine-inning baseball game, Lonnie. All right. Yeah, well, the home team would only bat in eight innings, so two times eight is 16, and the visiting team would bat in nine, so the score would be 16 to nine. 16 to nine in favor of the home team. <laughs> that is correct. Now, if the winning pitcher was George Munger, where was the game played? John? In St. Louis. St. Louis at what park? At uh, oh, that's right. where the Cardinals are. The Cardinals 
And Munger is uh, a pitcher for the yeah. Cardinals, isn't he? At Sportsman's be. Park oh. in St. Louis, John. Huh? Captain Solly, Salty Melance from down in Miami, Florida, knows that you kids all have very definite ideas on what constitutes a good father. He says that there are lots of good papas in the kingdom under the sea, too, and wants you to tell why these fish make good fathers. First one is the seahorse. John? Oh, uh, the female seahorse lays her eggs in a pouch on the stomach of the male seahorse, and he carries her on to the hatch. That's very, very good. Mm-hmm. That's right. How about the black bass, John? Well, uh, the black bass, it, it's, first it scoops a hole. It makes a nest by itself in a sandy bottom, and then the, after the females laid the eggs, it guards over the eggs all the time, and it keeps fanning uh, water on them, fresh water, and then when they hatch, it... Uh, keeps guard over them until they're fully grown. They'll take care of themselves. Well, that's fine, Johnny. That's just dandy. <laughs> and the uh, catfish. All right, John? Well, uh, the catfish, it, it builds its nest under uh, old logs and rocks, someplace that's sheltered. And when they both build a nest, and after the female lays the eggs, uh, the catfish, male catfish, guards them and fans them. And uh, it's like the black bass, it uh, uh, guards them after they've hatched and one gets away, it carries it in its mouth, but there's a, a marine catfish that uh, it carries all the eggs around its mouth until they've hatched, and it doesn't eat for about two months. That's right. Well, that's the one we were talking about, the marine catfish. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly know your fish, John. The uh, plots of most operas follow along the same lines. You have characters who are either very, very good, or when they are bad, they are horrid. Margaret Watrous of Hamden, Connecticut, wonders into which class, good or horrid, you would put the following operatic characters. The first one is Sparafuchila. Pat? Well, you put him in, uh, in the bad class because uh, he was the assassin that killed uh, Jules, the daughter of Rigoletto in Giuseppe's uh, Verdi's opera, Rigoletto. Right you are. Right you are. <laughs> and the next character is uh, Micaela. Pat? You put her in the good class. Because uh, she was in love with Don Jose in the opera Carmen by Bizet. Uh huh. Did she uh, finally win him or? No, no, she uh, didn't. She lost him? Yeah. No? She lost him to whom? Well, she didn't lose him because I don't think she ever had him, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what you have got, you can't lose, is that right? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I. Uh, I think that what Pat said is, uh, is true in one sense, but uh, he, she, he, he, she actually didn't lose him to anybody, but he fell in love with Carmen, but he finally killed her, so I wouldn't say that she lost him to anybody. <laughs> well, that's beside the point. I just want to check up uh, on different things with you kids. The, the next one is, uh, the next character is Lord Henry Ashton. Pat? Well, you'd put him in the bad class. Why? Because he tried to force his uh, sister Lucia to marry... Uh, to marry Sir Arthur Bucklaw, a rich nobleman, when she didn't love him at all. She loved uh, Sir Edgar. And that was in uh, A Lucid Lamelore by Donizetti. That's right, Patty. That's right. <laughs> I like this question from uh, Mrs. James Klein of Pueblo, Colorado. What magic came about when these rhymes in children's stories were repeated? Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And all the hands go up practically at the same time. Well, who said that? Now, I'm going to ask all of you kids. 
It's the magic no, the wind. Wind. No, it's Snow White and Snow White. Snow White, that's right. Uh-huh. And the next one is Flounder, Flounder in the sea. Prithee, hearken unto me. Lonnie? Well, that was in The Fisherman and His Wife, and the, uh, the, the fisherman saved this flounder and threw him back into the sea when he had caught him, and the flounder granted any wish that he asked of him. His wife asked him to go to the sea and ask the flounder for the wishes, and they were granted. That's very good, Lonnie. And here's the next one. Little goat, if you are able, please bring out my little table. Rennie? Well, that was in uh, One Eye, Two Eye, and Three Eye. And uh, uh, the two-eyed girl was prosec- prosecuted by her mother and sisters because she had two eyes, and they had, uh, I, think one, I think they had one, three, and four eyes. But, um, and so she wasn't fed very well, so she went out and uh, cared for the goat. And uh, he would, uh, when she said that, he would produce a little table full of food, and she got her good food that way. The cute story, wasn't it, huh? You betcha. Right, listen, uh, John... Uh, well, I think the, the sisters finally killed the goat, and she planted its heart, and the tree grew up, and she got magic fruit from it. Well, uh, possibly you're right on that. I, uh, I didn't have all that on my card, John, and... Uh... <laughs> but could be, could be. Rennie? Well, that is true, and uh, what finally came of the, of the tree was that the, the sisters couldn't get fruit down from the tree because they were uh, in the wicked class, I guess you'd say. Uh-huh. But the... Uh, but the two-eye could get it down, and the prince came riding by, and he wanted some fruit, and she got it down, so they got married and lived happily ever after. And incidentally, the tree, uh, tree magically grew up outside her window in the palace after uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Well, you see, John, that was right, what you said a while ago. And, uh, we're awfully glad you're here today, Rennie. Thank you very much. Here's a question uh, from M. Hall of Atlanta, Georgia. If uh, Abraham Lincoln, when he was president, had wanted to call a meeting of the rulers of Great Britain and France, who would have been there? Rennie? Well, I think that Queen Victoria would have come to Queen Victoria of England would have... But France, I'm not sure who came. And uh, how about the rest of you children? Can you give me the... uh, Pat? Would it be Louis XVIII? No. No? It was... uh, You give up on this one? Well, it would uh, have been the Emperor Napoleon III, the, the nephew of Napoleon Bonaparte. Well, I'm afraid that one was a little bit too tough for you, quiz kids. So uh, Alka-Seltzer gives away a big $250 Zenith radio phonograph combination to M. Hall of Atlanta, Georgia, for uh, stumping you with that question. Now, before our next question, let's put Tom Moore to work again. Well, I suppose you folks are counting the days now, just five of them till that nice, long Labor Day weekend begins. Oh, my goodness. Is that next weekend, Mr. Moore? I have a thousand things to do between now and then because we're driving the children up to the North Woods and their daddy's going to teach them how to fish. That sounds like a good deal. And I have to buy them new denim pants and some antiseptic for those inevitable little cuts and scratches and check our first aid list. And I... Well, you'd better make a list, Mrs. Gilbert, and don't forget to write Alka-Seltzer on that list either to be ready for that nervous headache that Dad usually gets after he's been driving all day. He'll want Alka-Seltzer's fast relief if that happens. You are certainly right, Mr. M., and I also know what hasty, unbalanced meals we usually grab en route and what they do to my digestion. Believe you me, Alka-Seltzer's going along with us on this trip. Sure, take Alka-Seltzer along because there's nothing quite like Alka-Seltzer to bring you fast relief from nervous headaches or acid indigestion. Remember, folks, you have only five more days to buy your extra package of Alka-Seltzer for the Labor Day weekend. 
Wherever you go and whatever you do, be sure Alka-Seltzer goes traveling with you. An extra package in your grip protects your fun on any trip. An extra package in your car. Then when you need it, there you are. Well, children, at the suggestion of Joseph F. Harris of Hartford, Connecticut, our organist, Howard Peterson, will now play three songs. You are to name the recent news event which each song brings to mind. Here's the first one. Lonnie? Well, that's the Song of India. The Song of India? So? so I suppose it would be the separation of India into two different countries. Well, uh, yes, uh, in a way. Let's see if we can clear that up a little bit. Uh, Rennie? Well, that would be the uh, India winning her independence from... Uh, the British Empire. That's and, right. Uh, as Lonnie said, it is divided into two parts. Yes. Uh, but uh, India is, uh, I think, what it is in this part. Well, Pakistan wouldn't be in the song. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's quite true. Uh, India's new independence really had to do with that uh, particular song. Now, let's see if you can get the next one. Lonnie? For he's a, well, that's for he's a jolly good fellow. Well, uh, that's true, but it, uh, there are two other names to that particular tune. Uh, and, uh, Pat? Would that be The Bear Went Over the Mountain? The Bear Went Over the Mountain? And, uh, that might be The Bear All-Star Football Game. That's just what it had to do with. Yes, there is. Uh, what was the score, Pat? Uh, 16 to nothing. 16 to nothing in whose favor? Uh, All-Stars. All-Stars, yeah. Well, I just wanted to see if you knew. <laughs> and here's the last Pat? There'll be a hot time in the old town tonight. So? All that might be the heat wave. That's just what it is. Yes, sir. H.E. Lockwood of uh, Detroit, Michigan discovered that he had a Canadian $5 bill in his wallet. At the current rate of exchange, a Canadian dollar is worth 92 cents in our money. Well, Mr. Lockwood wonders how many ice cream sodas that Canadian $5 bill would buy if the sodas were being sold at the bargain rate of two for 23 cents. Now, you don't have Joel in class today to help with the arithmetic, but you'd better get the right answer to that little problem because if you do, Mr. Lockwood instructed me to get you the sodas. So, let's get down to brass tacks on this now. Rennie? Um, I haven't my hand up. Yeah, I started to say, is he buying those in Canada or in the United States? Well, uh, in uh, the United States. All right, Lonnie? Well, two for 23 cents. That would mean you could only buy one for uh, 12 cents. But you could, you could buy sets of two up until... Uh, Let's see, 2 times 23 <laughs> is 46, and 23 is 67, uh, 69, and uh, I think that's as far as 92 cents. Well, 92 cents is the, uh, uh, the exchange rate. At the current yeah. rate of exchange, a Canadian dollar is worth 92 cents in American money. And this is a $5 bill, a $5 Canadian bill. All right, Lonnie. Well, I think you'd, uh, you could buy eight and have ten cents left over. Oh, no. No? Uh, John? Well, you could buy eight in, into the 92 cents, but then I guess you... 
Unless they're going arithmetic, so somebody else better figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it gets into arithmetic, but uh, not too difficult for a Rennie. Well, at, the, at that, you'd have, uh, it'd have five, five times eight, which would give you 40. But, um, see now, you have 10 cents left over each time, so that'll give you 50 cents. <laughs> Uh, so, Go ahead. so that, uh, you see, you have, um, I give you 50 cents, and you can get two for 50 cents, which makes it... No, have, I'm, I'm afraid you're off the track uh, uh, now. Four, four. <laughs> you can get four for 50 cents and have, uh, seven cents left over. No, so I'm you'll sorry. Have, Our time so is you'll up. Have 40, you'll have uh, 44. No, no, cents. that's wrong. The answer is 40 sodas. That's the correct answer, uh, 40 sodas. But then it's too hot to be arguing about arithmetic and all this and that. So I'll tell you what. Uh, the sodas are on their way up here right now. Yes, sir? I already have sent eight NBC page boys with Mr. Lockwood's Canadian $5 bill out to get them, and I shouldn't be surprised if they were on their way up in the elevator this minute. They're sure to be here before we go off the air, so kids, please don't go away as if you would. And that means... <laughs> that you're going to get the sodas and H.E. Lockwood of Detroit, Michigan uh, gets one of the big super-duper Zenith $250 uh, radio phonograph combinations. Well, that's the bell there. And while we're waiting for the sodas and while our judges are adding up the scores to see which of you kids will be back next week, it's my pleasure again to present Mrs. Charles W. Sewell of the American Farm Bureau Federation who will report on a radio survey being conducted among 1,500,000 farm women. Mrs. Sewell. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Farm women are taking a keen interest in the kind of radio programs their families are offered and the kind of radio programs they like. I think you'll be interested in a survey I made last week among representatives of 16 states. And this shows that modern farmers are educated, cultured men and women, American citizens first and farmers second. And as such, they resent inferences on the radio that farmers are a rude, uneducated group with no appreciation for the finer things and higher standards of living. They appreciate good music, but not sweet old hillbilly music. They like good, clean humor, but not coarse jokes. They're most critical, Mr. Kelly, of the by heck and by gosh type of program. Incidentally, discussions and forums and quiz programs hold a high place in their esteem. Many of our state organizations are now conducting polls on children's programs. The first poll completed was that conducted by the women of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation, representing 56,000 Ohio farm families. I'm sure you and the children will be pleased to know that at the very top of that list was the Quiz Kids program and that it led its nearest competitor by 48%. Mr. Kelly, I think congratulations are in order for you, the children, and your sponsors. Thank you, Mrs. Sewell. It was a pleasure to have you in our classroom today, and it is certainly gratifying to us to know that the women of the Farm Bureau Federation rate the Quiz Kids program so highly. And now for the judge's decision, wonder where those sodas are. As a class, you missed two questions. Pat was first, John second, and uh, let's see, uh, uh, Lonnie third. So that means you three will be back in school next Sunday along with Ruthie Duskin, age 13, and Bobby Burns, age 7. And uh-oh, here come the sodas, all 40 of them, for the quiz kids and for the little kids in our studio audience. Come on up and get them. Goodbye, kids.
Boy, am I hungry. How's the food coming, Aunt Mandy? It's on the table now, and I've got a good hot weather meal. i got chicken salad, sliced tomatoes, potato salad, deviled eggs, pickles, and iced coffee. Ain't that scrumptious? Sounds swell, but put that one-a-day vitamin bottle on the table. Too often, meals that we like to eat are short on vitamins. Lack of vitamins in your food can cause you to feel nervous, irritable, and under par. But here's how you can be sure of your vitamins. Take one one one-a-day brand, multiple vitamin capsule every day. Lack of vitamins can make you feel tired and dragged out. Take one one one-a-day brand, multiple vitamin capsule every day. At your drugstore, look for the figure one on the blue package. Take one one one-a-day brand, multiple vitamin capsule every day. Listen to the Quiz Kids every week and to Alka-Seltzer's News of the World every Monday through Friday over most of these NBC stations. This is Tom Moore speaking.